0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum ten dollars per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Welcome and welcome back. Saturday Suckage, Matt Beagle, Steve Rosenthal, with you up till uh, two o'clock. About one forty, we will do transition with Julie DeCaro, Maggie Hendricks. Right now, we're going to give you a chance to win another pair of tickets. See Billy Joel at Notre Dame Stadium next summer. It'd be June 20th. Exactly. Call our contest line 6. caller to 312-591-6700. You may be right. I may be crazy. But it just may be a lunatic you're looking for. All right, so we're told... David Freeze announced his retirement he on did. Twitter. He did. Shouldn't he have announced it in the in the batter's box, pinch hitting in the eighth? Isn't that what he is or or somehow and it's appropriate that it happens in October. Yes, it is. Okay, but I, I love this because the legend of David Freeze, right, is always October.
2: Um yeah. Crazy amount of postseason moments
1: there's a hockey guy claude lemieux used to be that kind sure, of guy sure. that would he would have three goals in the regular season and he'd score 80 in the playoffs he'd be that kind of guy so last week when the dodgers were actually still alive
2: oh by the way Anibal Sanchez referred to them last night in his post game. He was talking about his last time out against the, the Dodgers, but he called them what you have always called them and always gives me pause. But he said it for real because that's just how he pronounces it.
1: The Doyers. Yes. They have a, a there is a concession. At Doyer Stadium called the Doyer Dog. <laughs> it's called the Doyer Dog. He said it. Yes. I don't
2: know if it's among the Anibal Sanchez cuts we have from postgame last night, but there it was. It was, it, was it is. It's called the Doyer
1: Dog. Yeah. So, the, so David Freeze delivers a pinch single. Dodgers are rallying against Washington back when Washington was dead and, and the Dodgers were alive mm. and whatever. It was game three. He became the first player in almost 60 years to come off the bench and collect at least three hits in a postseason game. The last to do it, can you name him? This is a quiz you weren't expecting. It no, is, it isn't. Is a name I never would have pulled out. 60 years? Go back to the 1960 Yankees. Exactly 1960, not the Yankees of the 60s. It was Game 6 of the World Series that famously ended in Game 7 when the most unbelievable home run was hit.
2: Bill Mazeroski hit the, hit the home, home run.
1: run. But there is a if you played Stratomatic baseball like I did, and you had one of the Yankees teams from the early '60s, you would know this name. Not for me, no. Johnny Blanchard. Okay, Johnny Blanchard. So, anyways, David Freeze. Because so he gets all these questions. You come off the bench. It's October. You're you got you're really something else in October. Yeah. You Just and his answer was, I don't know, man. I'm not that terrible in the regular season. <laughs> I just love that.
2: I will forever think of David Freeze as the guy who hits the home run for the Cardinals to force a game seven of the World Series.
1: um and wasn't against that the Rangers. One of the greatest broadcast lines ever of all time. An homage to his father.
2: Joe Buck was able to pull out in real time. In a, a, a near-identical situation, mm-hmm. a walk-off homer and say, and we'll see you tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I love that. I and didn't, he didn't
2: say it like his dad said it for Kirby Puckett. No. When the the Twins forced a game seven against Charlie Leibrandt and the Atlanta Braves, but he said it like himself. But he said the exact same thing with the same pacing at Man, the same
1: time. I don't care how many times it's you are Joe Buck's, Jack Buck's son and you practice that. To have, like you said, the to do it in real time, yeah. the presence of mind, the poise. I just that that was. I love that moment. Me too. I love that moment for for baseball history for broadcast because it was. There there are a lot of lines that become. That become iconic in the course of, of because of broadcast. The Giants mm-hmm. win the pennant is one of the most famous. That Russ Hodges is screaming and screaming sure. and screaming.
2: How about another uh, another Jack Buck? I can't believe yeah. what I just saw. Go crazy. go crazy, go crazy, folks, go crazy. That's another Jack
1: Buck. And the best one, I, I really, I have always, I always fall back to this of all of the Vin Scully lines, and this would include time stamping Sandy Koufax's perfect game against the Cubs. For all of you, those of you who get on Len Lynn, Lynn, Lynn Casper for um, talking about a no-hitter, Vince Scully time-stamped it. 9:41 in the City of Angels. Sandy mm-hmm. Koufax runs his hands through his black hair, and he is two strikes away from a perfect game. I mean, it just he time-stamped it, and he said he did it so Sandy and his family would have that much more detail of the moment. But one of the things, the most famous, one of the most famous home runs in World Series history, Mm -hmm. was met by essentially silence. Vinny got out of the way, and the best line was, "And look who's coming up!" Yep. Before he hit the home run off Eckersley, and then he just laid out, and the fans carried it, which is which was always amazed me about. If you remember the moment, I made my kids sit down with me when Cal Ripken broke Gehrig's record.
2: And then he did not that lap.
1: The, not until the fifth inning, though, right? It had to be an, official, be an official game. It's done, being done by ESPN. I wanted my kids to watch it. Just, okay, mom was away. Me or we're going to watch this game. This guy showed up for work every day. He played baseball at a high, exceptional level. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. ESPN's doing it. Chris Berman yeah. is doing yeah, it. That's right. Chris Berman laid out. Chris Berman shut up. The most unbelievable part, more unbelievable than somebody breaking Garrett's record.
2: (laughs) Was Chris Berman laying out?
1: Yeah. Was Chris Berman shutting up during that moment? As you talk about that, that lap, that, that when it became official, right? They dropped the banner in the outfield. Right. And Chris Berman shut up. It's like, that's maybe they shut his mic off. For all I know, they shot his mic off. But he didn't say anything. That was an amazing thing. How about
2: a, that's good stuff. The, an interesting clash of styles and moments, not styles and Roman. Rest, rest in peace, that show. Um, good men. <laughs> fine, fine men.
1: I'm talking radio history here. Mm-hmm. Broadcast <laughs> Museum's going to want how this about, piece and that. How
2: about Don and Roma? No, no, no. I just, <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: just Excuse me. Just and Roma.
2: I meant Steve and Johnny. Yeah. My mistake. And Johnny. And 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 Styles and Roman all together. Steve and Johnny, Styles and Roman Don right. and Roma all together. Hanging out, making radio. No, uh last night the styles of uh, Of Juan Soto and Miles Michaelis. Did you see this last night? Juan Soto took several pitches for the Washington Nationals, and every time he takes a pitch, he grabs his crotch. And I do believe Uh it's just a habit, but it sure comes off to the pitcher like you're grabbing your crotch in the direction of the pitcher Mm -hmm. as if to say, "Yeah, Yeah. take this, I'm not going to swing at your pitch. And then Juan Soto grounds out. And as uh, yes. as he is walking off the field, Miles Michaelis, that was the last out, I believe, of the fifth inning, he turns away from the camera, knowing full well that the camera's probably on him as he's <laughs> walking him. away.
1: There's a camera Actually, for everyone. Jump.
2: He turns his butt to the camera and grabs his package in the direction of Juan Soto. Mm-hmm. So you get a package grab a package <laughs> responded grab. to by a package grab. Package. Bunch yeah. A bunch of FedEx employee <sighs> moments. Yes. So though, you got that stuff. But then put it...
1: It's why we watch baseball. To see something you've never seen before.
2: Juxtapose it with the class of Anibal Sanchez at the end of his seven and two-thirds innings of no-hit ball. His no-hitter is broken up by Jose Martinez of Mm -hmm. the Cardinals. And... The Cardinals fans stand up and applaud Anibal Sanchez. Anibal Sanchez turns and applauds Jose Martinez and says, nice job. You got me. And he looks to the umpire and claps for the ump and says, thank you. This was fun. I almost got there, basically, is what he's saying with his body language. And as he's walking off, he's looking at the crowd thanking them for clapping for him and tips his cap towards them. And it was just it was way classier than you expected necessarily to see in the middle of a tense 2 nothing playoff game and it was about 3 innings after
1: yeah, package grab it, it to package it turned rap. out better than it started yes, off it that did. way yes, yes it, it did yes it
2: did reminded you oh yes people can be decent in this game
1: they can be and it was really a wonderful a a a wonderful moment and the whole idea that it was honorable sanchez He's the fourth starter. He's behind all those five thousand strikeout guys, and he's the guy with the the. I wasn't sure how it was going to go when Yadier Molina got hit because you know the Cardinals have this capacity to make. Something out of nothing, sure.
2: They could take a 60 mile an hour butterfly pitch, a butterfly kiss, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. and I wasn't sure which way it was going to go, but it was so obvious that was not that was slower than any batting practice pitch. So just go take your base. I didn't, I wasn't sure which way that was going to go, but it did. We tried to reach Tony Andrachi, we're having trouble doing that. So I'll ask you a question. I was going to ask him too, sir. Mark Gonzalez was asked. Should the Cubs take another shot at acquiring Whit Merrifield Merrifield from the Royals? Gonzo provided three answers. Okay. Yes, yes, and yes. Those are (laughs) three answers. By the way, Gonzo texted me last week when the Bears game ended, and all he said was, the autumn wind is a Raider.
2: All he needed to say.
1: Autumn Wind is a pirate. Is a raider. Yeah, that's it. The Autumn Wind. His walk-up song.
2: So, anyways, yeah, Whit Merrifield as a um, as a top of the order candidate. Two straight years of an OPS over eight hundred. OBP of three forty eight this past year. Three sixty seven the year before that. He's not a power guy, but he is a stolen base guy. He is um, more of a leadoff hitter than they've had. Since Dexter Fowler and in a league with very few leadoff hitter types, he would qualify
1: immediately. Okay. So to, one of the things that I hadn't, I hadn't realized because I haven't seen this much, um, I don't know the whole context. Mm hmm. Merrifield has an 82.7% contact rate, about 10% above the Cubs' average. Yeah. So, I don't know where 82.7% contact rate ranks among. Your, your player what's your replacement player's average mm-hmm. and the other thing is what do you think he would cost where would what would the price be for solving that or actually those two problems right right oh I don't know what what the price would be and what that contract rate is but I just a uh, contact rate
2: yeah that's high that's high that's a, a that, that's a nice solid contact rate. Um, it, it's, it's what you need. There is, if you ask anybody in baseball these days, what's the, what's the hardest thing to teach? A lot of them will say, and I asked this very question to Nick Hosteller of the White Sox front office, was the scouting director then got moved, uh, over towards, he's going to do some work on pro scouting among other things uh, within the org. So what's the hardest thing to teach? And he said, contact skills. Hardest thing to teach really that if you don't have the hand-eye coordination and the ability to put the bat on the ball, it's just, it's really, really difficult to teach that.
1: Did that surprise you? It did. <clears throat> because
2: it, um, it, it, it surprised me just, uh, you know, you know, because everybody's trying to do it. Everybody's trying to take their sluggers and teach them to be contact guys. So think about it. So everybody's trying to do that like, all right, we all have our we got our launch angle all lineup. These guys got
1: into now, the majors because they could make contact, most of them.
2: Yeah, but but a lot of them a lot of them these days get in the majors because they can make contact very hard when, when they, do, they do. Yeah. Uh, and they strike out a lot and it's okay. It's totally fine. 170, 180 Ks a year, okay, no big deal. All right, that's fine. Um, but the, it, it's starting to be valued a little bit more in the other way. And it's just it's really difficult to teach. Very few teams can develop and teach contact. And if you got somebody who can do it, it's easier to assume that they might be able to add power than it is to take the power guys and assume that they might be able to add more contact.
1: Have the Astros changed that? Where do you to, to where do you point the change? The the it's such a copycat league. Yeah. They're champion one year removed. They Have a while while the Yankees and Astros, the Yankees and Twins slugged it out for the home run lead, right? The Astros seem Mm. to be right, fair to say they're a better all around, yeah, offensive team, and
2: and they have they seem to have an ability to teach contact. I don't know how they're doing it. But a lot of their guys have gotten better. is that why you interviewed Joe Espada? Yeah, bring him here. One of the reasons, the pitcher's tipping
1: their pitches? Uh, Absolutely. I I have a question. We'll take a break. And when we come back, Mm -hmm. we'll uh, offer more tickets to Billy Joel. And I I have a question regarding the Astros and the Cubs as we play Follow the Leader. And you can give me your insight into this.
2: And by the way, I'm looking at uh, the leaders in MLB and contact rate. And you said Merrifield is 82 and change. 82.7. 82.7. That puts him 25th in baseball, which is pretty damn good.
1: Okay. So that would be near the top of the charts. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Okay. That would be good for a leadoff hitter. Sure. Bring it. Contact more than four-fifths. Yeah. Okay. So basically it's contacts. He's got a contact rate like pocket aces. He's not going to make contact. He's going to get cracked 20% of the time. All right, he's Spiegel. I'm Rosenblum. Saturday, suckage. Take a break. we come back. Question Cubs, Astros, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score.
3: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart
2: knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
1: had to be a big shot, didn't it? You? you can see this big shot. You can see this big shot at Notre Dame Stadium next summer, June 20th. Be the sixth caller to our contest line. 312-591-6700 for a pair of tickets to see Billy Joel. And I'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints. The sinners are much more fun. And
2: you know, that's a great
1: uh, lyric along with, yeah. at the same time, I came across... Some they do, and some they don't. Some you just can't tell. Some they will, some they won't. With it's just as well. Super Tramp's Goodbye Stranger. Ah, oh, yeah, that's a good song. So, there we go. That's it. Music lyrics. Saturday Suckage, exactly what you expected to hear. Um, I forget what I teased. But you teased a football game that's actually more interesting than the Mitch Trubinsky Bowl. <laughs> yeah, Um. you
2: mentioned Cubs uh, Astros question, but right. we, we can get back to that. How about... How about, do you believe in the 49ers? Do you believe in what Kyle Shanahan has put together with these 49ers? Because Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't even really been very good this year, and yet they're undefeated.
1: I believe in Kyle Shanahan as, like, would be a great Bears coach. Oh, my God. I believe in him a lot. That team, that, I, I don't know because I just, the, the way it looked like John Lynch pantsed, Ryan Pace, mm-hmm. and then what he did with them, the way the team just fell apart, the quarterback. I heard it was just... But Kyle Shanahan makes... A, he deodorizes a lot of shortcomings.
2: Atlanta and Matt Ryan had his best year with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan was in Cleveland, and Brian Hoyer was leading them towards a Say potential why. playoff Say why. Run. He was in Washington and helped Kirk Cousins get franchised a couple times. Wow. Yeah, and and now he's out there, and they have, like, five running backs. Every one of them contributes. It's a fantasy player's nightmare. Um, But that that offense is finding a way to be effective. Defensively, they've got Nick Bosa, who looked like a number 2 pick overall this past Monday night when he played against Baker Mayfield. But this weekend, they get a real test. They get the Rams. And it's the Rams of Los Angeles again (laughs) against the 49ers. And you, Stevie Sunshine. Uh Uh-huh. I can ask you to tell me the last time that the LA Rams and the San Francisco 49ers who once were each other's biggest rival. Mm-hmm.
1: I remember covering the the a season of those games. I covered the Rams for a year It was the strike year and I re- there would be there would be John Robinson Bill Walsh shots about the genius going back and forth. And it wasn't just Ditka who didn't think Bill Walsh was who thought Bill Walsh was really full of himself. Oh, but yeah. Bill Walsh had the, he had the rings to be the genius. Mm-hmm. So the last time they were serious rivals?
2: The last time that both teams were over 500 and played against each other was 18 years ago. I was going to say when the Ra-
1: 89 with Everett and Montana.
2: That's the correct answer for both on the West Coast. 18 years ago, the Rams were in St. Louis with Mike Martz. So, but the Rams but we were talking in L.A.
1: road. Wrote- uh, I was gonna say, I remember Jim Everett when he, when he, Jim Everett, Joe Montana, right? To they had,
2: f- with Flipper Anderson, Jim Everett to Flipper Anderson, January of 1990 in an NFC championship game. The Rams had already pulled off two upsets on the road, beating the Eagles and the Giants. And the 49ers trounced the Rams in the NFC Championship game by the score of 30 to three. And then the 49ers dominated them in the 90s. But it's just the 49ers and Rams. It's a lot of people don't think of it as a thing, but it was most definitively a thing for a long, long right, it time.
1: Was, it was a na- and it was a natural rivalry. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. That was those two franchises. Though, yeah, and the uh, that that I didn't realize that was.
2: Wow, it's a long time. Roger Craig once said about the Rams um that the Rams will always be the 49ers biggest rival. It doesn't matter if they no longer play in Los Angeles, if they played their home games on Mars, it would still be a rivalry.
1: A rivalry. There you That's go. Roger
2: Craig. But yeah. that that is among the games I'm legitimately interested in in a bearsless Sunday. Because I want to know if the Niners are for real.
1: Because and if the Rams remain for real.
2: Yeah, because the Niners look great on Monday night against the Browns team, which might be a shame. Yeah, it was
1: interesting coming out that um, uh, Joe Bentonio, a, a Browns lineman, said, admitted what we, we would think, and in all sports, we've seen the kind of players, we've seen the Baker Mayfields in all sports, seen several of them in football. Hmm. When it's a quarterback, it's, it's exponential, but when you see a guy who's got a Big Mouth and his teammates have to know they got to have his back, but to know extra. there's extra motivation. He admitted it. We see it in guys' opponents, this Browns lineman. We know what Baker Mayfield does just by being Baker Mayfield. Huh. We know that that motivates guys. <laughs> we know there's something extra coming. We know that it means more.
2: That's crazy that he admitted and that, that.
1: And that they have to... They, it's more acute protecting him playing that game, but strikes me as crazy that if you're the other team, really it takes it takes Baker Mayfield being all Baker Mayfield for you to get up for a game to play your absolute best to play at your most See, hellacious. But, and now
2: you're reverse engineering that argument. I, I would say no, but I
1: don't know why it takes that. It doesn't
2: take that because you're up for the game, but then he him just being a, a jamoke. Elevates you a little bit even further than your normal upness because he's <laughs> a joke. normal upness. Yeah, you're you're at your standard level of up. Upness. It's just that you look and you realize, yeah, you realize that that Baker's a jackass and he's right there, and you've got the opportunity. Yes, and,
1: and you have to you have to do that. Though. Yeah. So there's uh um, before I get to my uh, Cubs Astros question for you, sir. We were talking about Annabelle Sanchez. Annabelle Sanchez's he has thrown a no hitter. He almost threw one last night and there was all the everybody was getting thanked, right? Everybody's waving yeah, yeah. thanked, whatever. Class
2: classy walk offs.
1: So in his no hitter, there were two home runs when he threw it for the Marlins in two thousand six.
2: Two thousand six. He's uh he's a Marlin, he throws a no hitter.
1: Two two players hit home runs. Can you name them?
2: Two thousand six. Uh oh. Miguel Cabrera?
1: That's one.
2: Uh, Hanley Ramirez.
1: No, that was a really nice try.
2: Okay. Uh, Luis Castillo.
1: No, it's a very nice try. Now you're going through to the 2003 Marlins. Are going to give me Irod too? Yeah, Moises
2: Alou. Yeah. No, but he was earlier <clears throat> still. Josh Beckett. 2006. No, because Anibal Sanchez was traded for Josh Beckett. Mm-hmm. Anibal Sanchez and Hanley Ramirez from the Red Sox as part of a five-player deal for Josh Beckett and Mike Lowell. Um, they all lived
1: happily ever after. They really did. Until beer and chicken.
2: Miguel Cabrera had one of the homers in 2006. Uh, who had the other one? Um, uh, it how, might about help Je- you. how about Jeff Conine?
1: Okay. It might help it's you if guess, I tell you on. this came from Chris Kamka. So it's a White Sox. The sultan of the swat. That's exactly right. Um.
2: So who was a White Sox player? Who would play there? for the Marlins? Ah. Juan Pierre,
1: Joe Borchard,
2: Joe, B- Joe ah. Borchard. No, yeah, <laughs>
1: there you go. Wow. Okay, so the the wow. I found it interesting in reading uh, Sahad of Sharma uh, of the Athletic on um, so Madden. This is in the wake of Joe Madden's exit. Okay, and Javi Baez is being quoted as talking about adjustments as a team. The game is changing a lot. As a team, we have to make adjustments. You see a lot of teams playing different, getting better every day, and doing the small things. That's a conversation that we've been having with the players, trying to see what those changes changes are, make those adjustments for next year. Hmm. So Hada points out about the game changing in various ways, pointing out the Dodgers, Astros, Yankees have made advancements in areas where the Cubs have faltered. I'll ask you what areas you think they are, but first I want the macro question is did you ever think you would see a Theo Epstein organization be put in the group that got out thought, hmm. that got out edged, that got out advantaged or out that was out adjusted. Did you ever think you'd see that? No. No I mean they were the one that invented the whole Ivy thing. and then and before that it was Carmine. Yeah. Yeah and I never thought that the whole part the whole this whole part, the macro of this discussion stunned me in the wake of Joe's exit and what they were talking about. And Theo has become George Steinbrenner Jr. when it comes to hitting and pitching coaches. He just fires them every year. He just keeps changing them. It's just less because it's not the manager, it's not as out there, but he just keeps firing hitting coaches yeah. and pitching coaches. So what would those changes be? And are you as surprised and, or, or how far behind do you think the Cubs really are? I don't
2: think they're as far behind as they were a year and a half ago. Then okay. I, I just think it takes a while to catch up once you start to adjust.
1: So, in what areas? Scouting,
2: I, drafting. So you think
1: the draft? Jason McLeod got promoted up. He got. I mean, failed up. He got. Fran- Did he fail
2: up? Frankly, he got removed. I can't say a full-on fired because he wasn't no, fired. No, he's
1: drawing a paycheck. He's yeah. got a different job. He's but in the he organization.
2: he was removed from his position as in terms of scouting, and rightfully so. I, I've detailed the draft failures as they stand right now. It is a remarkably short list of people they have drafted in their entire time here that have emerged at all to the big leagues and done things of consequence. It's Chris Bryant. It's Kyle Schwarber. And in terms of the Cubs, it's, lately Nico Horner, it's Ian Happ, it's Albert Almora and a lot of those guys are underwhelming. Pitching wise it's James Norwood.
1: I will say I you're right. I mean the, the pitching wise um Dylan Cease is the 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 trade ship is the, the best pitcher in the mm-hmm. the Cubs brought to the majors, it just brought it to the South Side. But I will say this. Now you mentioned I I knew you get to Almora and it's kind of fitting that that Jason McLeod's first draft choice comes at a time when Jason McLeod gets removed from that position because mm-hmm. Albert Almora has been bucked down, exposed. He they wouldn't need Nicholas Castellanos if Albert Almora could have hit left handed pitching last I, year. I
2: don't think there's a spot for him on this team next
1: year. Not even fourth or fifth outfielder. No F-
2: fifth fifth outfielder at best in a twenty six man a twenty six man roster because remember we have a twenty sixth man next year. But but still okay. So
1: so but but he's not fast
2: enough really to be a a pinch runner.
1: It's so in in the idea. What have you done for me lately? Is certainly when you're talking about the window of windows that needs to be asked. Guys need to pay for something for failures there. But Bryant, Schwarber started the rally. Bryant was part of the rally and he threw to first to get the final out. Mm -hmm. Albert Almora, the headsiest base running play in the World Series. That was huge. Advancing
2: from first to second on a deep fly ball out.
1: Yes, and would score that run. Yep, and and it was so so for that moment, that freeze frame, right? That's Mm -hmm. that that paid off. Now going forward, that's why I never thought. If you look at that inning, you look at that game, you look at that that postseason. Yeah, I, I I'm stunned. Theo Epstein's organization feels so far behind.
2: Well, I was looking for the exact wording, but I'll paraphrase. Of what? Of what Theo said about his failures as a leader. And he he they fell in love with their own guys. He flat out admitted it in that Well, he finally joined the chorus. Yeah.
1: He There's fl- a f- lot of that being said on this, these airways yeah. on Saturday morning.
2: Yeah, but he said it. Yeah. He, he's, he said it. That they've he fell in love with their own guys. They thought their guys were going to be better, and he needs to do a better job of divorcing himself from those kind of feelings towards some of the players.
1: A lot of hollow talk last year when he said we need to get out of projections and debate it on production.
2: Right, production over potential. Yeah, and but now I mean here you are, and there's no there's no avoiding it. And I don't think that is that opinion is relegated to just, you know, the the usual suspects that have been discussed in that way, like Amora and Hap and stuff like that. It's I
1: think, Bryant and Baez and Contreras. I think
2: they thought Bryant and Rizzo were going to be Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz. Yes, and they're we, not.
1: They saw that movie before, and they saw that in them right, and, right, and they're not. No.
2: So I, I think I think they thought Bryant would just keep going on this this impossible trajectory that he, he was wa- on. But
1: he was, I, he basically. He was.
2: He's leveled off into an excellent player.
1: Yeah, that's true. But he has not... He's not surpassed Mike Trout. No. And maybe they had designs on that. I
2: think, I, yeah, I think they thought that he was going to be incredibly special. We and don't, he's not incredibly alarmingly special. He's good. He's very, very good.
1: We came into this discussing the manager. And there's a point I wanted to bring up with you because we don't have a metric. We can't... Everybody has different ideas about what a manager's worth in terms of actual number of games. You know, he can measure war, he can measure whatever the metrics analytics are, whatever the old statistics are. So let me run this by you that I think, I don't know how many wins you thought Joe Madden was, was could account for in a year or how many losses, but there's a, a great managers have a resounding effect. And, and I don't know how many number, how many games this is. Joe Joe Madden's best move came in August of 2015. That series against the Giants. Because they're coming into August, and he's saying, here's the team we're chasing. And Joe said at the Cubby Bear when he got hired, I'm going to be talking playoffs immediately. Get used to it. That's when he started. He pulled Jason Hamill in the third inning Mm -hmm. or fourth inning. But certainly earlier than he ever have, and he had benched Starling Castro for yeah. that year. They swept the Giants. They went on to twenty fifteen was a wonderful breakthrough year, and it was all happening so fast. So, how many wins is that? Does a manager account for? Yeah, I don't, he had yeah. a resounding effect. He did. So and just he's, David it, the swapping?
2: That's the swapping of Russell and Castro essentially.
1: It is. That's that's telling everybody this guy who had been he had been the. Future along with Rizzo, right? Yeah. We had been sold that for a lot of years. He's sitting down. This guy's going to play, and we're playing. And and by the way, that guy doesn't get to finish on the mound. You have to earn the next out, earn the next inning, earn that next. So that resounded. Does that count of two months worth of victories? <laughs> it's A and, lot. And yeah, he was a, he was a huge part of of the culture, propelling them.
2: As far as they went in, in yeah. 15 and 16. That's right. why That's why. no matter how much he will always be remembered for some of the failures that almost cost them the World Series, without his culture build, they're not there. Right. They're not.
1: And do you see David Ross, Joe Girardi? I don't know Joe Espada, other than he comes from a quality organization and has... A lot of, he's sort of the zealot of all the greatness that baseball has. You see them capable of that moment. And I guess we never know until they're in that moment. Correct. So I just want to bring that up because they the debating a manager's worth, mm. that moment, that series against the Giants made the Cubs what they were going to be that year and the year yeah, after. Yeah, and
2: it doesn't have to have a number. You know it when you see it, right? You, you know it. And uh, yeah. The, and that's the thing about, like, some of these – the way that the Nationals played in the wild card game, down 3-1 against the Brewers, the way that they played in Game 5 of the NLDS, down 3-1 against the Dodgers, the way that they have played since those first 50 games, mm-hmm. I don't have a number for that. I don't know if it's Dave Martinez or if it's the collective of this this a bunch of very good players saying, damn it, we're better than this. What the F? And then they have just kept it together and Juan Soto doesn't care about pressure. He's twenty and somehow he's really
1: thirty-five. I mean, whatever it is. There's a Miguel Cabrera-ness about his sure lo- youth, looseness, being able to hit in the clutch as if he's as if he just doesn't it, it, it doesn't get to it him. It does not phase him. So but whatever that that
2: unquantifiable personal thing that the nationals have
1: unquantifiable
2: and i'm comfortable with that and guess what they they know that's a thing yeah they do they know it's a thing
1: right and they'll see if they get that if that is ross's personality Mm -hmm. i think that's going to be the guy they want the they want the room police the sergeant at arms all right we'll see if we can do that all right we'll take a break uh saturday suckage will continue we'll welcome julie and maggie next on chicago sports radio 670 the score That's what owners get to do. That's what owners get to do. They get to say this. They get to say that. I guess, but... They don't have to stand up for it if they don't uh, want.
2: Man, but like when... I have long been looking for the sucker at the table for MLB trade conversations and free agent dealings. And these days, the sucker presents itself when ownership gets involved and either spends stupid money... Or restricts the money in a way that hampers a front office. And that Philly's owner is a buffoon.
1: Did Tom Ricketts restrict the money? You're nodding. We don't nod on radio. (laughs) (laughs) If you're talking about Mm -hmm. spotting the sucker at the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think so. He's Matt Spiegel. I'm Steve Rosen. And we welcome in Julie DeCaro, Maggie Hendricks. Hello.
3: Hello. Hello. How are
1: you? Hello, ladies.
3: We're fine. I'm struggling. I don't have my winter clothes out yet, so I wasn't anticipating the temperature drop.
1: They told you it was going to drop 15 degrees I every hour I yesterday. It. I didn't.
3: I was like, they always say stuff like that. It never happens. Hmm. And it felt it, it happened. It <laughs> felt like we went from summer to winter very quickly. Like my my light coat, I got to wear it like one day, uh-huh. and what? then then it was no more, no longer nice That's, light well, did, coat. Well, did fall. you
1: enjoy those 15 minutes of fall? It's, it's coming such back.
3: a cute jacket. <laughs> I like this weather. I'm all for it. You like this particular weather? Yes. Forty degree weather. Yeah, I do not sunny, cold. <laughs> I don't like leaves all are
1: right. changing. Oh, no. Yes. See, Here, yesterday was my jam: <laughs> Un- Until Call up and it, tell Julie why she's wrong.
2: Until it got really
3: cold yesterday
2: in the late afternoon or early evening. Yesterday was my jam. I like overcast, steady light rain, yep. like low fifties, maybe high forties. It's I find it very thoughtful. It's like it's very Hemingway esque yeah. out there. I could like walk around and think about the happiness and sadness, and get super drunk
3: and beat beat up women. N- Wait, no, you think, you think not that version sad. of okay, Hemingway. All right. <laughs> Weather I just feel like thoughtful. we should always talk about him and all of his his characteristics.
2: I, I, I didn't know you were a Hemingway uh, absolutist. Or... I'm
3: a I'm a Hemingway eye roller at. Oh, I
2: see. Yes. Okay. Well, I could have gone um it's just it's just it's philosophical that It weather. is
3: philosophical weather. Yes. It was good like ordering in food and watching movies kind of weather too. Mm-hmm. Which is what I did last night.
2: Well done.
1: Hmm? The dark night and no, not Michael Keaton. We were having this discussion off the air because The Dark Knight was on. And that is the best because of Heath Ledger. That's it. Michael Keaton, no. He's the night shift guy.
3: Once our show starts in nine minutes, we will tolerate no Michael Keaton slander. So mm-hmm. you've got. So get it out with eight I minutes and 40 the guy, seconds left. But
1: just not. He's sorry. That wasn't the best, he was that the wasn't best, best movie. That was Batman. There was a. And Years ago, and you'll remember this because we always—you'll know this because we always run into in LA. You, no matter where you go, there you are surrounded by some kind of star, somebody on TV, somebody in mm-hmm. a movie. So having drinks with a guy from Two Forty, Robert Matthew Perry's dad, John Bennett Perry, and his wife. We're having well, meet Keith
3: Morrison. I'm super excited. Walk in,
1: walk in. Um, three young actors, one of whom is Dennis Dugan, who would be Richie Brockelman who replaced Jim Rockford and would go on to direct a lot of them. Another guy named Peter Jurassic, who was in all the MTM shows. I love his park. And, <laughs> and the other one was this guy I'd never heard of. His name would turn out. His name was Michael keep.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. He had
1: just finished a movie. Yeah. I just finished a movie. It was, night it was called shift. night shift. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't. Henry Winkler. Well, that's a good guy to be with. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We end up at two in the morning there. The three of them came in one car and we'd had sufficient to drink that when we got to John and Bennett Perry's house, that one of them opened the gas tank and unzipped his fly. Oh, and God. the owner of the car said, "No, don't." And the guy with the unzipped fly said, "Don't worry, it's unleaded." <laughs> <laughs> to have that presence of mind—that's excellent. Three in the morning. That's good line. <laughs> yeah, that's an excellent line. <laughs> that's well done. Oh, so God. he's the night shift guy yeah. to me.
2: Well, that, that so is weird. that is what happens in L. A. One time I was when I was living out there. I was a uh, I was at Ralph's. I was at the supermarket and Ralph's, I was in, that's the, in, sure. the, in the produce section of Ralph's. And I hear behind me. I hear la 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 la. And I turn around and it's Bjork. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> picking through in melons. Her swan? Yeah, no. She's wearing the swan? Just in fairly normal clothes, but it's like oh wow, that's Bjork looking through <laughs> the catalog. <carol. laughs>
3: la 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 la. <laughs> that, ha- that happened to a friend of mine who was at a playground in LA with her son and her son, like, you know, like kids do on playgrounds, they befriend some random sure. people and right. all of that. Um and so then the kid's mother came and sat down and started talking to my friend and she looked over and it was Claire Danes. And it was she was like, Oh, oh. oh. and I mean, I grew up as an acolyte of my so called life as did my friend. So like Claire Danes is a Big deal to us, and she just had to like keep acting like, "Oh, it's normal. It's just another mom." I would Mm -hmm. immediately be like, "When is Homeland coming back?"
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Tongue tied? Was she? Did Did she need a drool cup?
3: She, She. Well, she was like texting me like, give me strength and tell me cool things to say to Claire Danes. And I was like, what are you talking about? Cool
1: things to say to Claire Danes. (laughs) Like, like why are you, first of all, why are you asking me for cool things? I'm the (laughs) next Oprah.
2: Shortly after I came back uh, from L.A., uh, Tributosaurus was the house band for Lynn Bramer for a Cubs home opener opening day at Yaxi's, and it was a great day, and then at one point Andy Avalos came by, the weather guy from Channel 5, and the place went crazy! (laughs) And and my friend turned to me and he said, You're back in Chicago.
1: (laughs) Which is fine. Yeah. Which is good. But tell them they don't care when the weather person shows up in
2: LA. In LA,
1: though, the weather guy goes on stage to do stand up comedy or he hosts. Wheel of Fortune for thirty years. True. That's what weather guys do in LA. <laughs> yeah. Here they just walk into a Yaxis. They walk into a Yaxis, take their applause and, and get he, gone.
3: I mean when we do when I'm we allow
1: kiss the ring.
3: When we do remotes with Lance, like, oh my gosh, the reaction that Lance Briggs gets is sure. just like he's the greatest man in right, the whole wide because
1: world. LA has real celebrities. Right. Chicago does not. We so have the our athletes become the celebrities. We by runoff become celebrities as well Look, in LA sports Jeff
3: Garland, Jim Belushi, Stop. Vince Vaughn, <laughs> don't
1: give me any John Cusack. No. Those are
3: those are is that about it? Yeah, Maybe AD no. Bryant.
1: No. 80, Bryant. No. 80
3: Bryant.
1: See when you used to get, when Lakers Lakers play in the finals, the bigger names are still watching the games. Yeah. They were on they were in the seats, starting with Jack. Mm. And
3: Diane Cannon. Yeah. Yeah, we've got, we've, we've got Michael
2: Shannon. Michael Shannon still hangs out here all the time. I
3: see Michael Shannon on the L.
2: Yeah, he's, 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 he hangs out all the time.
3: Yeah, um, and it always freaks me out every time I see Michael Shannon on the L because he has the exact same intense stare on the L. That's
2: because that's just him. That's
3: just him, yeah. him but it is unnerving because you know how sometimes you just end up staring at people on the L because of the way you're seated? Mm-hmm. And he one time he was completely staring at me for like from... Lakeview all the way downtown, yeah. and I was... He was by doing the end research. It,
2: he's, he's playing a female sports talk host in an <laughs> upcoming film. By oh. the
3: end of it, I was, like, shaking. Like, I, I can't had, handle this anymore. I would have had plenty of things to say about the shape of water and how much I hated it. Just look across the aisle and be like, he was a fish. He was a fish. <laughs> fish. Okay, I haven't seen that. Fish love story. I, it was a terrible movie. I, I think I've liked everything I've seen him in, especially the reading of the sorority girl's letter. That might have been his best work.
1: mm Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Boardwalk Empire. So uh, oh, don't, go yeah. any near, don't go near any bodies of water with the Mags. Oh, no. That's what I would just I think I that's leave, a good idea. I would leave it at that. <laughs> mm.
2: We got, uh, you got two baseball games coming up, um, the two LCS games coming up. We have a Bears bye tomorrow. What are you guys doing today? Talking we're, about stuff? We're
3: still trying to figure out what went wrong with the Bears and why they can't get the offense going. And then we're going to talk some MLB and all the managerial openings, talk a little marathon. Lots of stuff to do.
1: All right. Julie and Maggie. We'll get out of the way. Uh, we want to thank no guests. We're going to thank <laughs> Stifler for producing the last couple hours. Thank Billy Joel for having tickets we can give away. Thank Zach Withers for getting that hockey. Let's do that hockey. Matt Spiegel, thank you. Thank Saturday you, Steve. Your WB Club. We are waking and baking, and now we're leaving, making a way for Julie and Maggie. Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. It wouldn't have been
4: possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So, kudos to you
1: guys for sucking as bad as we do. Oh, yes. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman.
2: Wait, wait. wait. Oh, yeah. That's
1: it.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours